Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. You've likely been watching your wheat out the truck windows as you make your rounds this winter, and you might be wondering how the recent weather swings have impacted potential yield. Predicting weather impact over the winter and as it comes out of dormancy is something that a lot of us could probably use more practice at, especially here in the southern part of the state where wheat acres have really declined in recent years, so we don't get as much exposure to it. Combine that with changing weather patterns and what little we do know may not be applicable in a given year. So since wheat has become the overlooked crop of the corn-soybean rotation in a lot of areas, we want to give it some love this Valentine's Day. And Dr. Laura Lindsay is joining us today to fill in those knowledge gaps as we prepare for spring operations. Welcome, Laura. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Laura is our soybean and small grains agronomist, and she's going to be providing some advice and some tips on how we can gauge our wheat. But first, I want to go back to the beginning of the wheat season so farmers can think about when their wheat went in and what's the best time to plant wheat to send it into winter under ideal conditions. Sure. So ideally, you would be following your county's Hessian fly-free date. And so our research really supports that two-week period following the Hessian fly-free date of your county is really the best time to plant wheat. But we know that that doesn't always happen uh, because weather is wet or maybe your soybeans uh, are late coming off some delayed harvest on the soybean side. Uh, So we do know wheat is oftentimes planted after that 14-day period following the Hessian fly-free date. It's not ideal. It's riskier the later you go. For the past couple of years, we've played around with wheat planting date and have been able to plant later than what you would think with very minimal yield reductions. That's really interesting. In some years, it can be really hard to get out of the combine and get into that drill and and get that wheat in, especially, like you said, when conditions are not ideal. Sometimes you get it in, but then it's dry. (laughs) And so even if you get it in that four, you know, that that within that 14 day period, it may take another 14 days to come up if you're planting into dry soil. And we've seen that in Ohio as well. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of art to finding that perfect day to stop Mm -hmm. the combine and get your wheat in, in the 24 Mm -hmm. hours before we finally catch a rain. Yep. What other considerations when we're looking at planting should farmers consider? So another aspect that we think about with planting is having an adequate seeding rate. Um, Our research has shown if you're If you're within that 14-day period after your fly-free date, uh, planting 1.2 to 1.6 million seeds per acre is ideal. Um, If you're planting later, so three weeks or more after that fly-free date, uh, bumping up your seeding rate to 1.6-2.0 million seeds per acre uh, should help a little bit compensate for um, having that lower I guess later delayed planting. Also having a good variety. Uh, so part of my position here at Ohio State is to run the wheat variety testing program. So we usually have results out in August. Uh, so you can actually prepare to plant before you are actually planting by picking a good variety, uh, something that's high yielding across the state, and then also has uh, good disease resistance. So what should our wheat look like kind of as we go into that first frost or real cold weather? So that's that's interesting. Ideally, you'd have a nice even stand that's green going into winter. It doesn't always happen. Uh, for example, we had a planting date study 
two years ago uh, in Clark County where we planted on November 5th, which is very late. And I went out the day before Thanksgiving and there were no plants at all. No plants. It was very easy to do tiller counts. It was my favorite day for tiller counts. But it actually yielded fine. Um, it was a little bit less than what you would expect, but still not not as bad as what you would think. I'm looking at it now. It averaged 90 bushels per acre, where our earlier planting date near closer to the fly-free was 105. Uh, so it was about a 15 bushel loss there. But for zero tillers, the day before Thanksgiving, not zero tillers, zero plants. Zero plants the day before Thanksgiving with an average yield of then 90 bushels per acre is remarkable. I wouldn't test this. <laughs> I wouldn't do it on purpose. Um, but it's amazing really to see how resilient wheat can be. In so many ways, it feels like we could just switch this conversation around and you're talking about soybean. Yes. So there's a lot of parallels there, which is convenient as both our small grains and yeah. specialists. Corn is the one that's a little bit of a, I guess, wimpier crop. Yeah, I think we've really learned here in the last few years that similar to soybeans, wheat can take a beating in the winter and still come out fine. Yep. But it can also take a beating and, and come out less than fine. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very weather dependent. And it's really that critical, that grain fill period is really critical um, to really maximize wheat yield, having favorable weather conditions during that period. We were talking ahead of recording how wheat can compensate like soybeans to fill that grain if it doesn't have as many tillers as you'd like, perhaps. So that's uh, something that's interesting and I'm not sure people realize as much. So the other factor that comes into play in that fall decision-making is fertilizer applications. What has your research shown is the impact of crop success looking at the decisions around that fertilizer application? So actually, I don't have a whole lot of information on fall fertilizer versus spring or what those splits look like. Our standard program in the variety trial is to plant or use about 20, 25 pounds of nitrogen breaker in the fall. And then we follow the tri-state recommendations based on your yield potential and apply the remainder at green up in the spring. Uh, we haven't played around a whole lot with nitrogen. We are this year. Uh, we have a brand new project looking at different nitrogen rates in the spring. The idea there is we're also looking at planting date. And so the idea of our new study this fall um, is looking at if you plant later, you know you're going to have reduced stand or um, reduced number of tillers. Can you compensate that by manipulating your nitrogen rate in the spring? So I have no data there, uh, but that's what we're looking at um, this, this coming year. I mean, should we be considering anything as we're looking at wheat fields right now? Or I'm getting this sense that it's really just too early to tell. Yeah, it's it's early. Um, it's February 12th today. Um, it's hard not to look at things when you're driving around, but it's it's really early to know know what will happen um, this spring and through the remainder of the year. If you are concerned um, at green up about your plant population, I know no one likes to do a tiller count, uh, but you can do a tiller count and assess assess your stand and just watch for things greening up this spring. With the weather patterns we saw this winter so far, the wheat stayed green a lot longer into the winter than what we normally see. And then we had, it wasn't a long time of cold, but we had some very cold temperatures for a short period of time with no snow cover over most of the state. What level of concern does that give you? I'm not terribly concerned right now. Um, I know we had some very poor conditions. I think it was 2020. There was a polar vortex in 2020 um, and there was no, it was very cold and there was no snow cover. And we actually had, um, 
winter barley and winter wheat in the same field, uh, same planter planted the same day, everything was the same. Uh, that following spring, the barley was completely dead. There was nothing in Northwest Ohio, completely dead, nothing there. Uh, but our wheat came up and it was green and it yielded fairly normal. So uh, wheat, again, is pretty resilient. Of course, it's not ideal to have super cold temperatures with no snow cover or waterlogged fields. None of that is ideal by any means, um, but we have seen very cold conditions with no snow cover in the past and the wheat um, made it through. So as we move into spring, uh, what should we keep our eye on if farmers are thinking maybe their field might be on the edge where they're considering tearing it up? Those are always really challenging decisions to make. And, you know, there's some economic factors at play too. Um, what is your projected wheat yield and price uh, relative to maybe corn or soybeans. So there's more than just agronomy um, at play there. Uh, so one thing we've, we've been working on with uh, Michigan State and University of Kentucky is really trying to predict wheat yield using the number of tillers per square foot. Um, we're still crunching that data, but I'll have a core newsletter article this spring um, looking at the correlation between tiller number at Greenup and and wheat yield. Um, the correlation isn't super great. Um, based on our data so far, it's about maybe 35% of the variability in wheat yield can be predicted by tiller number at FIX5 because there's so much more that goes into yield after FIX5. So you're making those decisions early because you have to, but there's still a ton of growing season left. So those are very challenging decisions to make, uh, but we'll have more information with that study um, and an upcoming core newsletter article. Is the Canapeo app still an option um, to help with counting tillers? Yeah, so Canapeo, if you're not familiar with it, is a uh, free app from Oklahoma State University where you can take a picture and it converts the green pixels to black and white. Um, and you can actually quantify the percentage of green in a photo. So we can use that to assess anything green, uh, but we've used it with winter wheat. And that is about the same as a tiller count. I'm looking at the data now. Um, Canapeo predicted about 30% of the variability in wheat yield, which is about the same as a tiller count. Uh, the challenge with Canapeo is that it's very time sensitive. So we've looked at doing um, those measurements at FIX 5 and then later at FIX 6. And it doesn't work at FIX 6 because there's so much more biomass there. Um, so it's extremely time sensitive. And then the other challenge of Canapeo is that it picks up anything green. <laughs> so if you have a weed in your field, it, it'll it pick that up as green as well. So it looks like our, our tiller counts, our stem counts, and our, our Canapeo data predict yields similarly. Canapeo is a lot easier, but if you're doing it too late or you have a weedy field, it may not work as well. Okay, that makes sense. So you mentioned timing is important for that. The other thing that timing is pretty important for in the spring is getting your nitrogen application done. So what are your recommendations around our nitrogen plan in the spring? So nitrogen is very important to maximize yield. You need nitrogen. Um, and we've done some work where we follow the tri-states uh, in terms of timing and rate versus maybe applying a little bit more or a little bit earlier. And really what our data has shown is the tri-states um, in terms of nitrogen recommendations for wheat work out pretty well. Apply your nitrogen 
prior to green up, there's a chance of loss. Nitrogen does not stick around in the field. It can be lost through leaching, denitrification. Timing it to when the wheat really needs it is very important. So we recommend it um, to apply at, at green up if field conditions allow. So Laura, we had some tremendous yields. Well, here in Madison County in 22 and of course across the state in 23. So what contributed to such tremendous state average last year? Yeah, so the 2023 state average was phenomenal. I think it was 90 bushels per acre, which is just absolutely remarkable. A lot of this, I believe, goes back to that grain fill period. Uh, So if you think back into May and June, it was relatively cool. Um, I remember we had a wheat field day in June and I wore a sweater and I was cold. Um, So it was it was a cool May, it was a cool June, and it was dry. Uh, but what was interesting is that uh, when we dug soil samples, it was really about the top two to three inches that were dry. Uh, but if you went deeper, there was a lot of subsoil moisture. So thinking about that wheat plant, um, it has a pretty big root by then. So when things got dry, wheat still had water because it had a good root system uh, that could access water. But what the lack of rainfall did was reduce disease. We have a disease nursery or Dr. Pierce Plaza did disease nursery in Worcester where he looks at fusarium head blight in our variety of trials and he irrigates and inoculates and all kinds of things. But his nursery failed <laughs> because the, the environment was not conducive at all to fusarium head blight. So uh, that long grain field fill period, cool weather, adequate soil moisture in the absence of actual rainfall made us have almost no disease. I think those are really the contributing factors um, in terms of high yields for 2023. So what exciting things should our listeners be looking forward to coming out of your research over the next few years? So we're continuing planting date work. So we have two years of planting date work where we planted, like I mentioned, November 5th, and then, you know, it's 90 bushels. Like, is that an anomaly or is this something that happens more frequently than what we think? So we're continuing our planting date work because we really want to build a big data set for planting date because year to year variability is so great. We need a lot of data to revise uh, maybe those graphs where we look at yield loss after uh, the Hessian fly free date. So we're continuing that. Um, in terms of, you know, this coming summer, look for a wheat field day. We don't have the day locked in yet, uh, but in June every year, we have a wheat field day and we rotate to different OSU research stations. So uh, this year in June, we'll be up at the Northwest Ag Research Station talking about our wheat trials uh, and the Ohio Corn and Wheat Board supports this field day. So follow the core newsletter and you'll be able to see that announcement when we get closer to June. Laura, you mentioned barley in one of your side-by-side trials. I'm just curious what's going on with barley around the state. You know, we had hopes of it being another crop, uh, but I haven't heard much about it lately. Yeah, um, same for me. Uh, We had three years of winter malting barley trials at different locations in Ohio. The one year there was a polar vortex, it did very poorly. Uh, But the other two years, our yields were very high, quality was very high. So agronomically speaking, winter malting barley is something we can grow in the state and we can grow adequate quality, uh, but you have to be able to sell it. Um, And I think there could be some limitations uh, to that piece. But malting barley comes back, we're prepared with agronomic recommendations now, um, and we can grow it successfully, which is really the question early on that we had, can we grow it and can we grow adequate quality? 
Well, Laura, as always, thank you. Uh, you've been a guest several times, and I'm sure you will be a lot more. Uh, the research you do in the state is really helpful on soybeans, wheat, barley, all of that good stuff. Any last words to promote wheat growing acres in the state? No, wheat, wheat is a great crop. Uh, when we see it in rotation with corn and soybean, we see about a five bushel increase in soybean yields. Um, so it's great to have that third crop in your rotation. Yep, that's a great point. Thanks again. We'll look for your updates in the corn newsletter and some of the results of the interesting research you have going on. Yep, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.